My name is Rob Pinnell, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson. Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills. Driver driving hard down the alley, and he scores. What a goal from Josh Bird. Kayla Trainer flips and scores. What you're kidding me. By Dylan Ward. Gets topside, Rambo scores. Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Your go-to podcast for interviews with professional players, coaches, and executives, as well as the latest news and analysis from all three professional lacrosse leagues. Now, here's your host, Hutton Jackson. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome to another edition of Pro Lacrosse Talk presented by Fanatics. We're here with Rob Pinnell, 2015 MLL champion, 2018 MLL MVP and world champion, and attackman with the Redwoods Lacrosse Club. Rob, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I want to definitely talk about those accolades as well as your on-the-field success. Um, but you do have an NFT collection coming out along with Grant Amit. Um, so I want to touch on that a little bit. I, I know particularly the legendary collection of that NFT is going to allow fans to have a meet and greet with you private field session and several other perks and there's only five of those available so talk a little bit about this nft collection that you're releasing yeah it's something that grant and i have been working on for quite some time now obviously the uh crypto and nft space was a lot hotter a a year ago than it is right now but i think the cool thing about this collection and brave hearts is that the value and utility that each um nft has right and there's a legendary collection, which there's only five of, and you're really getting uh, a crazy value for what the cost of is of one of those five is. Um, and then the founders collection, there's a hundred for Grant and a hundred for me. Um, and the value is more than, uh, you know, what you get out of those NFTs is, is more than what you're going to pay for it. And I think the thing here is that uh, we're really excited about this project and, um, we wanted to offer it to people at a price where they would be excited to, and they'll be the first ones in and can be proud of it uh, in hopes that we would have more collections in the future, but also other players uh, that we're talking to that might come on board and have their own NFTs with their own utility. So, you know, people can collect more than one and have access to, you know, the world's greatest players through an NFT. Um, I mean, the legendary collection, you get, you know, one-on-one FaceTime through Zoom mm-hmm. with Grant or I each month. You get an Attack Academy subscription. You get a one-on-one session um, on a, an agreed-upon time and place. Um, you get a, a free head. You get um, just, just a, a lot of stuff that, you know, 
people would want and we're giving them uh, a chance to get it. And then obviously the founders collection, which there's more of, it's a little more general, you know, there'll be all the founders uh, collection holders will have a zoom with Grant or I for a half hour each month. Um, so that's cool. They'll have an attack Academy subscription. Um, there will be meet and greets and stuff like that. So plenty of opportunity for uh, people to be a holder of the Bravehearts NFT. And, you know, there's only going to be 105 for me and 105 for Grant. So mm-hmm. hopefully they'll, they'll go quick. No, absolutely. I think the functionality of it is something that is unique. And like you said, there's all those perks. I mean, a one-on-one session, you know, that's that's something you can't really even put a, a price on um, and something that you, I'm sure you don't actually do with many other people, if at all. So to have that available, I think is, is great for, um, especially, you know, some of uh, the young fans out there. Um, and going off of that too, I, I do want to go back to when you were a young lacrosse player at Cornell. Um, I know it took you kind of a, a little while to find your footing and you finally found your spot at Cornell and you said, I, I think I remember in past interviews like that ended up being like the perfect spot for you. And obviously you excelled there winning the 2013 Torton trophy and making it to multiple final fours, but talk about kind of your journey to Cornell and then how that kind of shaped you as a lacrosse player. Yeah. You know, my journey to Cornell was definitely, um, one that is different than most people think. I think when most people hear Rob Pinnell, they assume that I was just able to, to go to any school and that I chose Cornell. And um, you know, I'm a believer that everything happens for a reason. So there were a lot of bumps along the way and the, the recruiting process didn't go as smoothly as uh, one would think for a, a player that has had the success that I have since then. Um, but it was one that I think motivated me and uh, certainly taught me how to work, which I think is one of the more important things is, you know, being a, a younger, smaller lacrosse player and, and not making some travel teams when I was younger and not being in the, the empire games, which were big, but, you know, back on Long Island and not making these showcases. Um, it made me work harder to achieve my goals and get to where I wanted to go, which I think is something that is certainly paid off later in life as I I've achieved a lot of my goals. I still continue to work. Um, but yeah, I got to Cornell and they were one of the, you know, after taking an extra year at Deerfield Academy, um, they were the only school that really wanted to take a chance on me as, as a smaller attackman, one you know guy no one really knew about. And it really was the perfect situation. So it allowed me to mature for a year at Deerfield Academy, but go into Cornell into a team that allowed me to mature as well. Um, you know, Max Seabald, who's, you know, one of my best friends, but to go in as a freshman and have him as a senior and have him to look up to and learn how to work even more. You know, he was the best in the country at that time. And he was the hardest working guy on the team. And I was like, just amazed at the type of character that he had and the type of leader that he was. And I don't think had I had been a freshman under max that I would be you know, on the zoom with you today. So that, and there are other guys, John Glenn and, and Chris Finn and, and Rocco Romero, just Jake Myers and goal, just, just a bunch of great seniors that really allowed me to come into my own as a freshman, play my game and, uh, and develop comfortably, you know, in my freshman year and eventually, uh, you know, have a great career at Cornell. No, absolutely. And then, you know, you got drafted by your hometown Lizards um, and you got had, had a great career with them too uh, before obviously the PLL 
came around, but talk about those early years with the Lizards. You know, you, you didn't have that much on the field success in terms of wins and losses um, with the Lizards until later when you won the MV, uh, when you won the championship in 2015. So talk about those early years with the Lizards and then eventually, you know, getting better and better and winning that championship in the MLL. Yeah. You know, it was pretty similar to my Cornell days. I mean, Max, you know, was on the team, which was mm-hmm. awesome to, to come in to play for Lizards and, and he was the captain and had been there. And um, once again, kind of allowed me to come onto the team and get into the groove and the swing of things. And um, I think in 2014, we lost in the playoffs to the, the outlaws out in Denver. Um, and there were some things that, you know, were going on as a team and we certainly, uh, I think underachieved a little bit. We had a, a great team and some great guys and, you know, but those were important years for allowing me to develop as an attackman in the professional lacrosse league and, um, understand how this game is played and to take those next steps. And, you know, I think those years in 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, I really started to come into my own and learn how to play this game and uh, at the pro level. And, you know, obviously the trade for Paul Rabel and him coming into the Lizards and us winning a championship that first year, um, probably one of the craziest seasons I've ever been a part of. I think we started out eight and oh, and some of the games were, you know, crazy, just winning, you know, Greg Grandley at the face off backs. I believe he was the MVP that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew Adams in goal. Uh, we just had a, a, a star studded team and uh, everything kind of came together that season. And, you know, people forget about the semis that year. We, we <laughs> narrowly escaped the Boston cannons, which mm-hmm. uh, was Max's team um by one goal and uh and we're actually down six nothing or six one in the championship game and ended up coming back and winning that game so um you know it started out easy ended a little tougher but um I think once I got that championship too it took a little pressure off me as as someone who was still searching for it and you know just wanted to win so bad It, it allowed me to then just kind of take a deep breath and and really start to just play my game out there. And uh, it's just a credit to the guys around me. And uh, Joe Spleen as a coach was also obviously an integral part of it. He Mm -hmm. always trusted me back at X behind the goal. And uh, that was so important for me to develop as a young player and, and certainly later into those seasons with the Lizards. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. No, absolutely. And once you got that championship under your belt, a couple of years later, you know, you got that MVP under your belt as well, recording 78 points, which was the highest point total anyone had recorded at that time. Talk to me about that season. Um, was, was there anything different that you did that season or you just feel like, you know, it just was kind of a, a good circumstance for you to kind of excel that season? You know, it was cool. It was, you know, I actually look at that season and, um, I think Paul Rabel had 74 points that year. Um, you know, we were kind of just taking each other's games to new levels, I thought, mm-hmm. and, and just performing at such a high level. Will Manny was on the team. I think he had one of his best years. So, you know, we just had a, a group of guys that meshed well. And, and certainly on offense, we were, um, we were putting the ball in the back of the net at a high rate. And I think it just said a lot. Of, it says a lot about the guys we had out there, our chemistry, when I look back at those Lizards teams, 
you know, we were good on the field, but we were part of that was because of how much time we spent together off the field. And we were always grabbing meals together and hanging out after games and over weekends. And you know, one year we even stayed after we played Florida and went to Miami together. And um, that chemistry goes a long way in professional lacrosse, right? Cause you're not with each other during the weeks so and the more time you can spend together, the better it is. And I think we just genuinely love being around each other. We had a group of guys that uh, were just a bunch of characters, but it worked. And I think that's why you saw us have that success on the field. So, um, you know, I was just able to just, push myself each and every year and evaluate what I'd done the year before and use it for the, for the next year. And, you know, obviously with a great supporting cast, like we had, it was, uh, it was a big part of, of that MVP year. Absolutely. And that same year you won a world championship with team USA in thrilling fashion. You had the game winning assist with seconds winding down to Tom Schreiber to defeat Canada. Talk me through that moment in particular. Like, you know, I, I think I've heard you on a past podcast talk about it, but just, you know, the vision to see Schreiber cutting down there and to, to score and the feeling of, you know, hoisting the, that trophy after it was all said and done. Yeah, you kind of like black out uh, for the last, you know, the last minute was crazy. Um, I, I think we took like four shots and I was like behind the goal, just backing it up. And um I remember Jordan Wolf had a great matchup and I gave it to him and he had a great opportunity and missed it. And uh, I was back there again. And um, it's just one of those things that happens and it was not scripted. There was no play mm -hmm. just really in desperation. And, and as coach Danowski likes to say, you know, ball players making plays, um, you know, Ned Karate said an unbelievable up pick, which, you know, people don't really probably even notice when they watch the video. And he just did that off of instinct and off of like lacrosse IQ. And as coach Janowski would say, being a ball player, he sets an up pick and maybe brushes the guy that's guarding Tom, right? Very subtle, but the guy does have to move around him and out of the way, which gives Tom just enough separation, right? To catch the ball to for really to be open for me to think he's open and throw it mm -hmm. and then for him to catch it and shoot it. And to Tom's credit, he had started playing indoor at that time. And, you know, I got a little twister in there. So he, you know, he, he takes his game to, to the next level every year too. And it's incredible to watch. And um, for me, that was probably the, uh, the pinnacle of my lacrosse career as uh, having lost in 2014. And that was something that was hanging over my head for a while. Um, not having that gold medal and losing mm. that 2014 championship game. So um, I, I felt as if a, a weight was lifted off my shoulders once we won that game. Uh, and then MVP came a few weeks later, which was, which was pretty awesome. No, definitely. And since then, you're now a member of the Redwoods, uh, entering your, uh, going to be your third season next year with the Redwoods, just wrapped up your second season, finished third in points, um, at the end of the regular season, you guys kind of had a rocky start, but then righted the ship as it went along. And part of that was to your credit too, of your play down the stretch. Um, talk about this woods team this year. And despite falling short in the playoffs, just, uh, you know, you guys battling adversity, some injuries and stuff and, and kind of turning around later in the season. Yeah, you know, we're a very tough team. I think our, our core makeup is a, a group of guys that have been together a long time and uh, trust each other and know each other. So when the season got to a point where we kind of did have our backs against the wall a little bit, we kind of knew that we were, that we had the right guys in, in the locker room to, to right the ship and make a run. I, I just think maybe we kind of stepped on the gas a little too soon. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you look at the chaos right now and 
all you got to do is make the playoffs. And sure mm-hmm. enough, I'm playing for a championship. So, um, you know, we kind of one and four, one and five, we're thinking that we got to win four games, you know, three or four games to make the playoffs when in reality, we actually only had to win one. So, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe two. And, you know, you expand a lot of energy to get to that point that you get there. It's kind of almost a relief where, um, you know, I think the chaos almost like, all right, we're in, you know, they're just kind of cruising, cruising. And then they put their foot on the gas. So, um, you know, listen, it, it's an incredibly talented league and uh, everyone, uh, every game is so good and you have to bring it every game. And, uh, you know, we, we had a team that, that probably could have won a championship, but um, I did feel like we were fighting the entire season, right. With a bad start and fighting back in some of those games, even some of those games later in the season that we should have won, we didn't. And um, kind of making a lot of similar the mistakes and getting out to slow starts. And I don't know if we ever got out, got over that hump of uh, beating ourselves in, in, in a way in a lot of games. So um, I'm excited for the core group of guys that we have. I'm excited to be back. You know, I don't want to play anywhere else other than the Redwoods. And um, I've been traded enough for, for my career. So <laughs> I, uh, I am I'm happy there and, and looking forward to next season already. It's uh, it's a long ways away, but once you're done with one season, you're already focused and, and on to the next. No, absolutely. And how do you kind of stay focused? How do you stay in shape? Obviously, you're still playing at a high level. Um, I know a lot of it goes into, you know, a lot of it has to do with your preparation off the field as well. So talk a little bit about your preparation each offseason and how it kind of prepares you for the next season and how you can still play at such a high level. Yeah, um, you know, this offseason is going to be a little easier than, than others, just because we have three Team USA events. And um, obviously, you're going to want to be in shape for that and, and make sure you're at your best. So, you know, I was in the, in the weight room today for the first time since we lost, just making sure that I'm, I'm ready for uh, the event we have in, in two weeks. And um, there's an event a month after that and an event two months after that. So for those guys, you know, 50 guys that are going to that, it's, it's going to be a pretty busy off season rather than what we're used to in the fall. So that's going to be easy. But, you know, I think after the 2020 bubble, um, I really evaluated kind of where I was at as a player. I think a lot of people were doubting me and, and my talent still having come over from the MLL and not been there for the first year of the PLL. Um, you know, a little, little, little fire under me, but like, you know, the, the year before the PLL started, I was the MVP and I just, you know, I couldn't take part that first year um, for contractual issues and then came over and it was a bubble. It was a weird season. And um, I, I just was motivated by some things some people had to say and, and then got traded. So um, I, uh, I, you know, I reevaluated what I was doing and a lot of that relates to strength and conditioning. And I started training at this place called Acceleration on Long Island, where a lot of top high school and college players train and some professionals as well. You know, Mike Chanachuk's over there and it kind of just dialed in that much more. And it, it really is nothing other than, you know, having the right program and the right strength coach, which Steve over there is great, but also consistency and something that I feel like I've been able to do for my entire career is consistently devote the time uh, needed to, to work out on a weekly basis all year round to make sure that I'm ready to go for the season. And then you find a lot about yourself during the season, you know, how many workouts do you need? What do you need to be doing to stay in shape? What's going to lead to you feeling your best on game day? Is that getting reps in on the field more, you know, less workouts, making sure your muscles are fresh massages, whatever it is. Um, and I've really later in my career started to focus on more managing my body in season 
um, as opposed to, um, you know, thinking I have to go 100% all the time during the week and during, you know, earlier in my career, I was working out so hard all the time in college all the time. Um, never really allow your body to recover. And it's now later in my career, I, I've figured out that's a, a little more important. So, uh, you know, I've done a good job of that as well. And I know that's kind of something too, with this season, it's, you know, it's kind of compact. Um, you know, obviously MLL was pretty compact in a lot of games too, but, um, you do have to take care of your body in season as well. Um, moving on from that, we're going to do our five and five. So these are more quick hitters, but the first one I like to ask for the lacrosse related is what's one of your top songs on your game day or workout playlist? Oh my God. Um, strobe by dead mouse. I just kind of, uh, listened to it. It's a 10 minute song and it just, you know, it's, it's a slow to fast beat and works for me. Awesome. And then, uh, number two, who's been your toughest matchup in your career? And that can be multiple ones if you have multiple ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say of more recent years, um, you know, I would, I would probably name two guys, Graham Hasek, you know, between USA and versus Canada and, and obviously in the professional leagues, he's a incredible talent. And I think we, uh, we enjoy going up against one another and then look forward to that matchup every time. Um, and then I think a young defender who's not young, but I guess young comparative to me is Matt Dunn, who I think is, uh, is fantastic. And, uh, obviously getting past him and then shooting on Kyle, Kyle Burnlor isn't the easiest either. So, <laughs> uh, no, for sure. I'd say those two guys definitely, uh, definitely stand out to me. Awesome. And then, uh, number three, which veteran lacrosse player, you kind of talked about this with Seabolt a little bit, but, um, any other veteran lacrosse players in addition to him that you kind of learned from when you first started playing pro lacrosse? Um, Steven Pizer, he was on the Lizards. Uh, I had my first assist to him, and he was just an awesome teammate, just full of smiles. And but really, kind of took me under his wing, and um, was just nice to a rookie, and and just you know excited to have me there, and so positive, and um, loved being loved being out there with him and and playing with him, um. And then Drew Adams was a few years in. He was my roommate right off the bat. And we were roommates for eight, seven years. So uh, he's he only got a few years on me, but he's he's the best. Awesome. And then number four, um, what is your current lacrosse stick setup? I know you're a warrior athlete, but what's your current lacrosse stick setup in terms of shaft, head, and stringing? I don't have it in here. Um, well, I have a new head that is not out yet. That is a warrior prototype. It's called the QXO. Um, Honestly, I think it's the best head I've ever used. Um, it's strong, but it's got a great shape. Um, it reminds me a little bit. Of, it, it's like an Evo meets the Brian Cyber meets Paul Rabel's head that he had. Mm-hmm. Um, my head, that my first version of my head. It, it's just an awesome head. Um, strings great. I have, I don't even know what mesh I use. Because I was actually texting Lars earlier to string it. I use the Mesh Dynasty 7D Mesh. I, I okay. don't know. It's like uh, bigger holes. Okay. Um, and then I have the Evo QXO uh, shaft. Um, awesome. Which is the lightest, I think, best shaft on the market. So uh, that's what I'm going with right now. It's been working. <laughs> awesome. I know. I'm still, it's funny, like being so removed from like playing, I, playing men's leagues occasionally but like seeing all the technology now that yeah. um you know back when i was playing it was like 
the the semi-hard mesh was like cool like that was like the innovation like the wax mesh or whatever and that you know it was almost like waterproof because if you had soft mesh and it got wet you yeah. had to like restring it almost so it's it's funny now seeing like everything's so it much me like i'm crazy yeah when i see them when they see what i'm using it's like you're you using monster mesh i'm like it's not quite monster mesh but it is it's seven diamond uh mm-hmm. so i guess it's a little a little smaller than monster mesh awesome and then on uh, number five, what has been your favorite venue to play lacrosse at? Professional or ever? It can be ever. So it can be college. Um, oh, worlds. I'll go one college and I'll go one professional. Awesome. Um, you know, obviously I love Shokoff Field being at Cornell, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to use a home field. Um, I would say Clockner Stadium for UVA. My freshman year, we played there on a, on a Sunday in March and it was like 70 degrees and packed and it was awesome. Um, and we played there a few times since. And then for professional, I think the Minnesota um, Vikings practice facility that we, the TCO that we've played at the last two years in the PLL mm-hmm. is awesome. This is a great setup for us as players. The hotel's right there. The field's right there. It's professional. Um, so I, I, I like that stadium a lot. Awesome. And then moving on from the lacrosse stuff, we'll go to some off the field questions. And first one is what are some hobbies or activities you enjoy doing when you're not playing lacrosse? Golf. Awesome. My number one favorite thing in the world to do. Who, who's your uh, golfing buddy or what, what's your ideal foursome, I guess. <laughs> my, uh, my guy, I mean, my, one of my best friends who's, you know, lives around here, Scott Perry, who played lacrosse at Drexel. I was all American there. We, we play a lot together. Um, I actually play a lot with Mike Earhart. Okay remembers the same club um so i put a lot of lacrosse guys a lot of older lacrosse guys you know dan denahan brian carpetera some hopkins guys mm-hmm. um i just love to play golf so awesome Colin mcclain a bc guy we play quite a bit um so it's good yeah for sure number two who is a non-lacrosse athlete that you enjoy watching right now I was loving watching Alcaraz um, during the U.S. Open. I love tennis. I love golf. Um, you know, Rory was was great to watch down the stretch here in the in the golf that he was playing towards the end of the season. Um, and tonight, Russell Wilson, it's my guy. Mm-hmm. Been a big fan of him since he uh, he came to the NFL. Rock's number three made me even bigger fan, but, uh, looking forward to his first, uh, I'm a Cowboys fan. So I don't know if you saw my tweet today. I'm looking for a new team after last night. <laughs> ride, ride. Let's ride. Right. <laughs> I'm, 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 I go to Broncos country. Let's ride, baby. <laughs> awesome. We got, we got to get you to do a, a Redwoods country. Let's ride next year. <laughs> I think we'll, we'll have to try that. <laughs> uh, number three, what is your favorite place to vacation? Um, somewhere that I go frequently, I'd probably say the Bahamas, uh, Bahamar in the Bahamas is a good spot. Favorite place that I've ever been on vacation, uh, far in Croatia was, was pretty awesome. Awesome. And then number four, what's your favorite meal and you prefer to dine out, cook at home or order takeout? Oh man. Cook at home is boring. Cause I just like, when I'm in a rhythm in the season, it's like vegetables and chicken and mm. whatever boring. So uh, when I dine out, my favorite meal, I, I would say is if there's like, you know, those, those hybrid places that have like steak and sushi, those are like my favorite, uh, my favorite type of restaurants. Other than that, I'm, you know, I'm going Italian. Rob Keys is a place by me 
uh, veal, veal parm, champagne veal parm. It's probably uh, going heavy Italian. Awesome. And then my final one, uh, what's a book that you've read, podcast you've listened to, or movie or TV show that you'd recommend? So it doesn't have to be all three of those, but one of them in particular, uh, have you been binging lately that you want to recommend to somebody? Uh, my girlfriend and I just finished watching Blackbird okay. on Apple TV. I got to get Apple TV. That's the one that I don't have right now. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, very interesting about a, a, a guy that's sent into prison, a different prison to befriend a serial killer and find out more about the killings and what he did. And if he figures out more information, he's let out of jail. Oh, awesome. So kind of like a little Hannibal Lecter situation. But it's a true story. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Definitely got to check that one out. Yeah. It's based on a true story. So it's, yeah. uh, I know I got to, I got to get Apple TV because uh, Ted Lasso is another one that people recommend. And, oh, well, uh, yeah. Ted Lasso is the best. <laughs> Ted is the best. Uh, if you haven't watched Ted Lasso and you're a sports fan of any sport, you mm-hmm. have to get in there right now. It's All right, great. I'm gonna I'm gonna get Apple TV. That's like the only one I got. Prime, I got Amazon, or I got Amazon Prime. I got HBO. I got Netflix. I got like all of them, like three that are my own purchases. There's a lot on Hulu right now. Hulu, I got yeah, I got Hulu. Um, Hulu. So, but there's a lot of people talking about on Hulu. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say it. it Apple TV, Ted Lasso is worth it alone. Okay, so, for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, that wraps up the five and five. Final question I like to ask every player we have on is, what is some advice you have for a young player looking to one day play lacrosse professionally? You have to love the game. And, you know, if you want to play professionally, it's, it's got to come from you. It can't come from someone around you that is pushing you and, and getting you out there to practice in the backyard and put the work in on your own. Um, you know, a lot of my motivation in a lot is really comes from within. And I think that's where it's going to be the most genuine and and where it's going to help the most. And I think um, if you can do that, but also, you know, be an honest evaluation of yourself. Um, You know, something I would do after every year is evaluate that year. Okay. What was I good at? What was I bad at? And those things that I was bad that I need to improve on is would be my focus. I would still focus on the other things, but I would spend a little extra time on those, those things. Mm-hmm. But you have to be honest in that evaluation, which I think is the tough part. And um, if you can do that and get better each and every year, that's something that you weren't the year prior, you know, that's like compounding interest. You're just going to get better over time. Um, so that's what I tell people. And, and within that control, the controllables, which is, which are those things. Um, you're not gonna be able to control really, you know, at a younger age, how fast you're growing and your muscles and you know, how tall you are and how big you are, your speed, right. You're not gonna be able to control those things, but what you, what you can control is your lacrosse IQ, your stick skills, your footwork, your dodging, right. Your shooting accuracy, all these things. There's so much you can control in the sport of lacrosse and control the controllables. Don't worry about the things that are outside your control. Awesome. No, I think that's great advice for our young listeners in particular. And definitely, if you are a young listener listening, go ahead, check out the Bravehearts NFT collection. Check out Rob and uh, Grant Amon's uh, collections up there. And uh, Rob, again, appreciate you coming on. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This was great.